sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Friday, September 25th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. With me, as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends to give you all the information you need to try to make it a profitable day, a profitable weekend. And we're going to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And, Kev, we had a Thursday night football game. You know, one of those ones that when you see on the schedule, you're like, yep. Sounds about right. Week three, Thursday night football. Let's get a little Dolphins and Jaguars out there. But the Dolphins, listen, they look good. They win this game 31 to 13. And and Kev, for the last two weeks, one of my number one waiver wire diamonds in the rough has been Miles Gaskin. And let me tell you something, Kev. I mean, he runs 22 for 66, right? Only three yards a carry. He is involved in the passing game with another five catches. But I got to tell you the truth. And this is like the behind the box score stuff that we like to talk about, Kev. The fact that Miles Gaskin was able to be productive in the run game, I believe completely opens up the pass game. Let's fit magic be efficient. I mean, he goes 18 of 20. I think he hit his first 11 passes in a row and the Dolphins offense is able to efficiently move the ball, Kev. I think it's fair to say that the takeover has happened in terms of this backfield. Now, Miles Gaskin was (laughs) the back that you wanted to play, whether it be fantasy lineups or the props market as it was. But the I mean, if you look at the carries, I mean, it was outrageous. He was at like 16, and then Breida was at like 14, and how yeah. was it like 13? Dare I say bell cow, Kev? <laughs> right. So, so here, though, comes Miles Gaskin, and what was really uh, interesting is we probably saw the last uh, real value in the props market for Gaskin. His probably, rushing yes. plus receiving at the FanDuel Sportsbook was 55 and a half. A number that he had gone over in the first two games comfortably, mind you. But now he gets over on rush yards alone. Still Mm -hmm. chips in five grabs, 29 total yards in the receiving game. I absolutely adore what Jordan Howard is doing for this team. He had three carries, one from the one-yard line, another from the one-yard line, and another from the two-yard line. Absolutely sensational work from Jordan Howard, and I wish he capitalized on that uh, second one-yard run, so it could have been two carries for two yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, but that's fine, and that is the thing for Gaskin. Uh, I would, he's one of the few backs that I'm probably never going to play as an anytime touchdown scorer. And oh, no, I'm Howard, gonna... multiple touchdowns, though. Two touchdowns for Jordan Howard Absolutely. could be live moving forward, though. He, but the crazy thing was Jordan Howard was plus 230 to score below mm. a Miles Gaskin because typically your lead back is going to get that opportunity. Right. And Gaskin had a crack at a goal line carry, but it's just not Jordan Howard. And I understand the move from Brian Flores. So it's a, it's a backfield that in the props market, we now have to watch what should likely be a monster adjustment on your guy, Miles Gaskin. 
Yeah, absolutely. I don't know where they are going to go on Gaskin. I also want to make the point. Uh, Devontae Parker back looking decent. You know, they were talking about his hamstring throughout the uh, game, but, you know, he's still good enough to go for five for 69. I was on Gasicki, as you know, yesterday. That did not happen. Our guy, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, had this game cold, thought Miami was still better, gave us a little message as well. Did we hit the team total over as soon as it went over? Hmm. As we welcome our radio audience from around the country, including the Mightier 1090. Thanks for waking up very early with us, Dane Martinez and the Campbell Burner. Let's talk about this from the Jacksonville side, though, because, you know, I mean, a lot of this pub, a lot of this hype was going in around the mustache that he was, you know, um, with his completion percentage, that that offense was moving. This is what we were talking about, and it didn't really happen. I think they got behind a little bit early, but, you know, if Miles Gaskin is going to be a revelation – you know, in the mm. real world, in the fantasy world. Then, Kevin, talk to me about James Robinson, this undrafted rookie out of Illinois State, you know, who runs hard and is involved in the passing game for Jacksonville as well. So here's the big thing, Dane. Last yeah. uh, Monday night football primetime game, no Michael Thomas. So a lot of people yeah. show up for Emmanuel Sanders props, and a lot of yep. people show up for Jared Cook props. And they yes. got absolutely washed. Both yep. terrible. Cook did score. Outside of that, though, to both of them, terrible. All right. losers across the board. So we fast forward here. No DJ Shark. Ah. Cole time. LaVisca Chenault time. Now, Chenault right. likely got you the receptions number home. Okay? Maybe if you snuck in your Keelan Cole props and your LaVisca Chenault props while Shark was supposed to play, but that doesn't really count. Okay? that's not That goes aside from what I'm talking about. This is now two spots where we've seen a quarterback lean towards his running back yep. to try and pick up the pieces because, listen, Keelan Cole's not a number one, right? Novishka Chenault's not a number two. Harder right. to get open. Who's open? My check down guy. Something to keep in mind when we see a number one wide receiver out. Our instant reaction is going to be to go to the number two wide receiver, the number three wide receiver. And if that player's proven, Calvin Ridley might fit this description this week. Good to go. But on the other side of that coin, if these other guys aren't proven, then maybe turn to the running back. As James Robinson had six grabs for 83 receiving yards, it's a monster day, let alone the fact that he's a running back. Yeah, fair enough. And then to your point, Kevin, right, Chris Thompson out of the backfield, another five for 35 mm -hmm. in the passing game, right? So 11 completions to backs. You talk about Calvin Ridley. I'm thinking about what that means for guys like Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling in the Green Bay game as well. Or does Aaron Jones just continue to ascend, right? We got that to talk about. Plenty of games on a football Friday. My man Kev may want to mention the words LeBron James as well. We'll do it all when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on a football Friday going into week three. You know, Kev, off air, we were talking about, oh my goodness, 
What about week four and week five, where we still have the NBA playoffs, where we have the Major League Baseball playoffs coming online, college football getting into conference schedules, and by the way, all Power 5 teams conference schedules. We'll talk about that another time for another day. Kev, one matchup, though, tomorrow uh, Sunday that I think is really interesting. A battle of 2-0 teams. Some people expected these teams to be 2-0. Others did not. I'm talking about the Los Angeles Rams coming to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Um, you know, Kev, Josh Allen has kind of been a revelation this year. A lot of people are on him. He leads the NFL in passing yards. Stephon Diggs leads the NFL in receiving yards. And the Buffalo Bills, who are at home in this one, are your favorites. How do you like it? I think this is a very fun game. I think we look at the Bills, though, to me as the side that has a lot more to prove. And Bills fans might not like that, but too bad. You're home, comfortably the best team you've played so far on the year. And what they've offered on the offensive side of the ball has been incredibly impressive. You can tie it to the addition of Stefan Diggs, but there are going to still be people who want to wait and see the idea that this is going to be a pass-happy offense who's mm. going to rank top five in the league. And that's understandable. It's not what we've come to know from Josh Allen. On the other side of this coin the L.A. Rams, one of the you know few teams that I knew I was higher on than most. I tried right. to keep pushing them into the conversation with right. the NFC West when a lot of people said they were going to finish last, which I understood how people got there. I just thought that, Ultimately, this is a team that under Sean McVay has continually been successful, and that seems like it's going to be the case. I think the easy answer is it's a good teaser game because I expect mm. this to be tight. So taking the Rams up is something that I feel like you can do. You know, a six-point teaser, seven and right. a hook, I would feel good about that. But if I had to play a side, I'd probably play the Rams side of this coin. I just mm. think they're a better team, and I think Sean McVay is a very good coach. And last week, as I watched them blow out the Philadelphia Eagles, they made the point that I believe Sean McVay has never lost traveling for an East 1 o'clock start time. Well, you know what? We've also seen the Seattle Seahawks do that, and it's really helped them year over year. There are just certain teams that know how to travel. They know how to dominate in a spot, and the Rams seem like they fit that description. Maybe they might be thrown off because now they're not traveling and they're staying towards the East side of this thing, but I look From at the Philly, Rams yeah. as in a pick em spot, then let's just pick them. And the team that I pick is the Rams. All right, fair enough. Let me ask you a little bit of detail here, though, because this Rams running back situation has been a topic of conversation, right? We know Cam Akers week to week with the ribs. Uh, Daryl Henderson had a nice emerging kind of game. I believe 12 carries over 80 yards. And, you know, the under-respected veteran, in my opinion, Malcolm Brown, is still there. How do you think this shakes out? Would you try to get ahead of anything in the prop market there? I think it's a spot where Akers is, like you mentioned, likely to be out. Yeah. It's going to be tough for them to tell whether they want Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson to have the high mark on rush yards in the game. And I would just take whomever the low man would be. There you That's go. really what I think your best strategy is for this one. If it is Henderson, well, I can say, ah, he's the more talented, explosive back, throw him in. And if it's Malcolm Brown, then we go, listen, Dane Martin is special. They'll never respect this dude in the props market. And let's hit it again. You know I love the B-side, Kev. You know I love the B-side. Back in the day, you probably never had to do this. There was, like, cassettes with, like, singles. 
that you could buy, but then they'd have to have a song on the B side also. And I think about that when it comes to fantasy or the prop market in these timeshares, in these committees. Absolutely. Another game that I think is pretty interesting is Dallas going to Seattle, Kev, to take on the 2-0 Seattle Seahawks. And they are welcomed by, in my opinion, and you know this, Kev, a lot of people are all of a sudden now trying to hashtag let Russ cook. I have been saying this for a while that he is the man I would want on my team in any situation if you look at this line talk to me about this the seattle seahawks are in fact favored by five kind of in no man's land but 56 and a half is a pretty high total it means to me that they think seattle is going to continue to be pass happy instead of this run team that they used to be eating up clock and time of possession with this total the total is the story, 56.5. It's continued to climb. It's minus 120 to the over 56.5, which means by the time we get to kickoff, it's probably 57.5 and, and maybe higher. It's a monster number. I mean, you're going to go into yeah. a game expecting 60 points. And I look at these two teams. Is Russell Wilson going to push for 50 touchdowns? Because that's the pace that he's on. When you look at the weapons, it's easy to understand why some might think that could be possible. It's just a matter of, is that actually going to happen? I'm at a point right now, Dane, as we head into this week, I look at guys that have had excellent production. Right. And usually then there are games that bring them back to the fold. Ask Gardner Minshew how those first two dominant weeks look now compared to his week three. Right? There are a couple of guys we'll hit on, but you know, like Kamara constantly being in the end zone, Cam Newton having four rushing touchdowns. Sure. And we're going to hit all those individually, but Russell Wilson would fit that description. I think he is, at worst, the third best quarterback in football. I think he's been the best quarterback through two weeks. He's thrown nine touchdowns. But at the end of the week, if I told you that through three weeks, he's thrown 11 touchdowns. That's a right. ton of touchdowns, right. but it would certainly cut off expectations. It's a Cowboys team, played one home game, one road game. The road game scored 17 points against a solid Rams defense. At home, the train wreck Atlanta Falcons ended up giving up 40. Though for a while, I don't even know what was going on with the Cowboys offense. They kept throwing the ball all over the field. This is a game where, listen, the side is, of course, enticing. But this is going to be the highest total of the season. It's going to climb, climb. So at, to this point of the season, it's uh, going like, to oh, climb, season. climb. Staking the claim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> at, at, to this point, it's going to continue to climb. And we're still at a point where are we sure we right. want to fully trust Dallas on the road? And are we sure that Russ yeah. is going to eternally cook? No, I'm with you. And remember, what I've been saying this entire month, right, that what we try to do in these couple of weeks is start to solidify our thesis on these teams, right? What's real? What's not? One of the things that make me believe, though, Kev, that this evolution for Seattle may be real is the presence of DK Metcalf, okay? And DK Metcalf is one of only two receivers, Kev, so far in both games that have 90 yards and a touchdown. The other one, another young ascending wide receiver who I know you like is 
is Calvin Ridley down in Atlanta. The other piece of this game that I think is interesting is the turnover margin, Kev. Seattle already plus two taking care of the ball. Dallas minus two taking not taking care of the ball. And in a game like this, that may be a shootout with a total in the mid-50s. You know, losing possessions via turnover could be huge. What do you see on the Dallas side with Dak and Zeke and the crew? Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair, but look, there's aspects of it that can be fluky. I mean, Ross threw a pick six last week, right? Sure. But we all know it wasn't his fault, but he still threw a pick six last week. From the Cowboys' side of that coin, they might not fumble the ball for the next three weeks. Because that was outrageous in the way, in the manner that which that happened. And the, the real unfortunate thing with the side in this game is the Cowboys messed everything up last week. They were supposed to roll Atlanta. Had they not fumbled the ball, they would have rolled Atlanta. And then had they rolled Atlanta, this would be three, maybe three and a hook. And we'd slam Seattle, and then they'd roll Dallas. Now, I don't know what to make of this Cowboys team. They're coming off as an emotional, as a, a, a win that gives you so much momentum. I don't love now stepping in front of that team. I will tell you yeah. this, though, Dane, this is a great props game. I mean, 56 and a half, this thing could sail, sail under, and we still have a bunch of guys give us monster days. And look, if it ends up getting over the number, this is the game to have props in, especially anytime touchdown scorers. I am very excited to play in the props market for this game. Yeah. If I had to play side, I'd rather back the Seattle side of the coin here. But I think it's one of the best props game on the board. Yeah, absolutely. There could be a lot of touchdowns scored in this one. It is the highest total on the board. But, Kev, there's like three other games in the mid-50s yeah. as well. Week three could have points plenty. all right? So we'll be watching all the prop market stuff. We'll come back and talk more games. But first, let's hear what happened overnight with the Sports Grid news update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on The Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh here on the early line. And thanks to our radio audience from joining from around the country, including out west, with the mightier 1090. Hopefully, we put the fun and functional sports content for you. Kev, this next game, um, you know, Raiders-Pats. Again, intriguing because it's the Raiders that are 2-0. I think they're one of the kind of surprise 2-0 teams, if you want to know the truth. And they're in a spot where they have not performed well in you know recent history, going to the East Coast for a 1 o'clock start. The Patriots have actually won the last five in a row against the Las Vegas Raiders. And the Pats stand there as five-and-a-half-point favorites. 47-and-a-half is the total. Kev, we're talking about like what's real. Right, and if there's going to be any kind of regression to the mean, is there any regression in store for Cam Newton? Because he currently hmm. leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns with four. Like you like these anytime touchdown scorers, really? Is there a better bet right now than Cam Newton running one in from the two? No, there isn't. But is he going to rush for twenty touchdowns this year? Like yeah. this is a conversation I was having with somebody the other night about like, look at these touchdowns. They're, they're all on the one-yard line. They all make sense. Like, I'm almost starting to wonder how more running backs don't run for 20 touchdowns a season. 
And Cam Newton now fits the description even more because we know how difficult it is to stop quarterbacks in this spot. He's a right. monster on the goal line. It's easy for him to call his number. Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels are often calling his number. So yeah. this is a spot where he should be at a minus price as an anytime touchdown scorer. But are we at a point, Dane, where we actually think he's going to lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns? I remember his rookie year he got into the double digits, might have actually done it then. That seems like where we're back to. The the only evidence that would suggest we shouldn't be playing in that market and should be having a little bit of cause for pause is basically what quarterback leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's fair, right? I mean, maybe the answer is Cam Newton. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Cam Newton is that guy. We all knew this, Kev. You know, mm -hmm. we knew that this was the element he would bring to this game. We were all excited to see how Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick would deploy him if they would treat him with kid gloves or let him be what we know is the most value add that he brings to the table and they're doing it, and Cam likes it, and I think, yes. Now, will he get two touchdowns every day? No. Okay, like, I don't think he's going to finish with 30 touchdowns, but 11 may be the case, right? And I think there's only going to be a few teams that can actually stop it, and I don't know that the Las Vegas Raiders are one of them. But, Kev, yeah. the Raiders are the team who come into this game undefeated, not the Patriots, right? So let's talk about them a little bit as well. Okay, they are 2-0. They do come west to east. I want to ask you about Darren Waller, the tight end of the Las Vegas Raiders, right, who may be a Sending into that true elite tight end category with guys like Kelsey and Kittle, maybe Andrews and Ertz. He did not practice, however, on Thursday. How much of a blow would this be for the Raiders? Remember, I always talk about the trend line, but he didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday. And this is a guy who leads all tight ends across the NFL with 18 catches already. You saw how much he was targeted on Monday night. Mm -hmm. Now, that would be a massive blow for this team. Now, maybe his schedule a little bit different, Dane, than everybody else because they played a Monday night game, Possibly. right? So something to think about there. Darren Waller is someone you're going to want to circle for props markets. Last week, Monday night football, over under on receptions was four and a half. What kind of boost do we see to this guy's receptions total now on the heels of the monster game that he put forward in week number two? This is a spot, though, Dane, where we got everything to play out the way we want. This is one of my two favorite games on the board. Look, there's a lot here of this slate that I'm uncertain of, but this is not one of them. The Raiders traveling to the East Coast, to Foxborough, against a New England Patriots team that I believe is probably, at this point, one of the five most impressive teams on the season. I think that their defense won't be as good as last year, but will still be right. very good. I think they're a nightmare to stop on the offensive side of the ball. You mentioned Darren Waller. Josh Jacobs is banged up sure. as well and isn't practicing. Somewhat of a short week for the Raiders. This is the Pat spot. Now, I want to lay the five and a half, but I'll also kind of identify these spots as they jump out to me. I think this is also a great teaser option. Or if you're just going to play money line parlays, since it's already below six or below seven.
Yeah, I like what you're saying. And as it relates to Josh Jacobs, he does lead the AFC in scrimmage yards already after two weeks, that second year back ascending. But I'm with you, Eileen Pats, on this one at home on the East Coast. And to me also, Kev, this is Waller and Jacobs, right? And that's really the threats of the Raiders offense. I knew you like Henry Ruggs as well. So far, he's been more of a stretch the field and, and, and more uh, scheme than production let's say, for the Raiders. And I believe, we talk about it all the time, what do the Raiders and Carr do if Bill Belichick and the Patriots successfully take away whatever they identify as the lead thing, right? Like, they have experience trying to take away a guy like Travis Kelsey, right? And what if they apply that? Where do the Raiders go? Meanwhile, we've talked about this, Kev. The Patriots are one of those offenses that have multiple elements to it and can in fact adjust another game in the afc that i am looking at is the pittsburgh steelers kev they are home they are 2-0 and and there has been you know a wide range of thoughts kev on this steelers 2-0 and team right like i believe that this front seven looks really really good you and others have said that they are not as impressive as they are being built up to be well, I will also say this. Their opponents this week, the Houston Texans, are 0-2, are four-point dogs coming into this one. But remember, Kev, they were the sacrificial lamb in Kansas City on the season opener, right? And then they also, in week two, saw the juggernaut that was Baltimore. So I wonder if uh, kind of a step down in class, and we talk about Pittsburgh as maybe, you know, tier two in the AFC, I wonder if we're going to see a better version of the Houston Texans. Like, is this the one where the regression comes home to roost for these teams? Or is this when Big Ben at home announces himself and like with the actual big offensive game that some Steelers people haven't completely seen just yet? The issue is it's not as if this game isn't being priced like the Texans aren't playing their easiest opponent yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's clearly a gap here. They're getting nine and a half points in Kansas City. A five-and-a-half-point difference right now to the four points that they're getting from the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're getting seven in the hook in their own building from Baltimore right. on extended rest. They didn't cover that game either. I want to tell you that this the Texans win this game. I want to tell you that Deshaun Watson is not going to go 0-3. That's what I want to tell you. What am I basing that on? I'm not looking to overreact to the fact that they lost to the maybe two best teams in football. They didn't look good. They didn't look good in those games. Like, it wasn't as simple as, ah, they're just, yeah, they're just kind of getting out. Clear. No. They, like, and Deshaun Watson has, like, the whole first half, maybe the whole first three quarters of that game against the Chiefs, not good enough. The fumble retouched, uh, return for a touchdown, not on him. But the Ravens still had it, and then he responded by throwing an interception. This, like the run defense is as bad as ever. Four points is not a lot of points here. Again, I can I see Houston getting the upset? Yeah, plus one eighty four on on Deshaun Watson. I, I like it. I get it. But like Dane, they're yeah. being priced like it's a step down, and. They've not even remotely rose to the occasion in the first two meetings. Yeah, I, I agree with you, right? I, I, I do believe that maybe, 
you know, as we get into like October, the Texans will look different. But I think you make a great point, right? The opponents are one thing. The results are one thing. But the way they looked does not necessarily make me think that all of a sudden with a slight class relief, shall we say, in their opponent, that all of a sudden the Texans are going to look great. I believe that the Steelers, you know, remember, Big Ben was out a year. Okay, Big Ben is still on some level getting back into it, right? Getting back into game shape, getting the speed of the game. We've seen other players who's missed a lot of time even acknowledge that A.J. Green on Cincinnati, for example, has come out and acknowledged that he's still getting himself into game shape, even though he worked out all year. I think this Pittsburgh Steelers offense will look better and better. And think about it, Kev. Also, I'm looking at James Conner in this one. All right, because Kansas City was able to run all over Houston. Baltimore was able to run all over Houston. James Conner is this guy who is the bell cow for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All that Benny Snell stuff went away. And he has, you know, the most games in the AFC going like over 100 with a touchdown over the last year and a half. I think Conner may be able to, you know, remind people that he is one of these backs. He was over 100 last week. I think he could do it again on Sunday. No, you sure can. The question is, are we at a point with James Conner where we don't trust him to finish games and then therefore we can't take advantage of the talent plus opportunity that he does seem to be be providing? Uh, I mean, the, the Texans are a better team than the Broncos. The Broncos' defense hasn't really been great, but this is, not necess- this is probably an easier matchup on the ground Texans' run defenses looked awful to start Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They were awful all of last season. So I, I, I can't argue with that. Will Fuller's a guy to watch. Mm. What in the world happened last week with Will Fuller? He was out there. I thought he got hurt. He was out there for 63% of the snaps. <laughs> he wasn't targeted. What in the right. world was that? It was his team's I'll tell you what's one. interesting. Yeah, as we're trying to figure out the wide receivers of Houston, also don't don't forget about the tight ends on Houston. Both Aikens and Fells have been quasi-productive. You're wondering what's happening to Will Fuller. Some of those targets are going to the tight ends, Kev. We got plenty of more games to discuss here on a football Friday, and we'll do it when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here into the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And I want to let everybody know there's always ways to engage with us and the show. All right, so we got a poll question up right now. You can find me at Spit and Speed. You can always find Kevin at the Kevin Walsh. I want to ask you guys, which of the ON2 teams do you still think have a chance to make the playoffs? And I mentioned that, Kev, because we were talking about Houston in the last segment. They are one of these options, right? They're 0-2, but they've played the Chiefs and the Ravens so far, and honestly, Kev, 52% of the people so far think the Texans are still live. The other options are the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings, Kev. About a third of the people in the poll pick your Philadelphia Eagles as a team that is 0-2 but can still get back into the playoffs. So let's talk about those guys right now. The Philadelphia Eagles welcome in the Cincinnati Bengals into town. And I want to ask you about this because as you see here, 
We've got, you know, the Eagles are four and a half point favorites. We've got a total of 47 and a half. I want to ask you, I was on the Miles Sanders prop bet last week on his mm-hmm. over scrimmage yards. I think I'm just going to keep on going back to it until I'm proven wrong because you know this. He is kind of a three down back for these Eagles. And with the dearth of wide receiver talent, right? Jalen Rager not being there. the uh, Jeffrey, they're banged up. You can only do so much with the tight ends in Ertz and Goddard. I think Sanders is going to continue to be where this bread is buttered for this offense. He was out week one, came up big in week two. I'm surprised that you were willing to go to it without even the week considering where you kind of stood on the Miles Sanders uh, conversation for a lot of it. I think what's really interesting, though, is what do those numbers look like for this week? Because Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined for monster days, both of them individually, to where Miles Sanders' rushing prop has to probably be in the 80s, maybe the 90s. I mean... I don't see how it's his not. rushing and receiving combined was mm-hmm. like in the high 70s last week. And that's what I took. Right. And so, yeah. I mean, where is it going to go? You know, and that's the thing here with some of the things in week three, as we're also talking about, like what's real, what's not, you know, in some places that regression is going to happen and you're going to look silly. Right. In some places. Yeah. They're not going to be able to raise the number high enough. They can't respond and overreact to the point. You know, where it's too crazy. It's almost like when we bet totals in baseball, right? How they're coming, how they're going up because of the home runs and all that stuff. At some point, the books see it, but they know they can't go that far. And I think Miles Sanders' prop bets may be uh, fitting into that category. You can't take them up to like 115 or the Zeke Elliott, uh, Christian McCaffrey kind of levels yet, right? I don't know. Because if he got there last week and now he's playing the Cincinnati Bengals, which is accepted to be one of the worst run defenses in football, but here's the thing. What's the number where you back off? I don't think there's a number they could post that you'll bet under. And I, but right. I, and I think it's going to be something a lot of people are going to have to ask themselves, though, going into the week. Because, I mean, last week, I think Chubb ran for about a buck 20, and Kareem Hunt ran for 80-plus, like mid-80s. So it's 200 yards on the ground. Except the Eagles aren't offering, a, a, a as you would call it, a B-side. Or is it a B-side? Mm. Miles Sanders is the A, the B, the C, the D, the e, and so on and so forth. I mean, yeah. and no Boston Scott. With the, with the way that the receiving game is – now Jalen Rieger's right. not playing. He's going to still be involved in the pass game as well. Yeah. So I look at Miles Sanders as a guy that's going to be hard to ignore, but I think this, the books are going to have to pay attention to him as well. This is a spot here, man. The Phillies were like, uh, the Eagles were laying six and a half, and it's now been moved down to four and a half. And mm. that type of line movement is always going to be jarring. It's a question of is this, you know, the the sharp side of the move, or are people being suckered in by a backdoor garbage cover from the Bengals and an Eagles team that lost a road division game and then another game to what is clearly showing to be one of the better teams in the NFC East against the L.A. Rams. I've seen this game from the Eagles. Now, this is either going to be heartbreaking or they beat this Bengals team by three scores. Right. Yeah, I actually think if you actually step back on it, right, 
the Eagles are a better team than the Cincinnati Bengals. So I actually lean that the Eagles will have that kind of positive regression. As long as they take care of the ball, Kev, they're already minus five in the turnover margin after only two games. Real quickly, though, on the Cincinnati side, Joe Burrow put the ball up like 61, 62 times. Last week, completed 37 passes, which was the most, you know, for a rookie, I think, like since the merger. Do you think Mm -hmm. that they just, you know, throw caution to the wind? Is Burrow putting it up 50, 60 times a game? Or are they going to try to establish Joe Mixon in the run game against a dude like Fletcher Cox? Yeah, and I think Fletcher Cox's status for the game might be up in the air. Obviously, mm. you don't you don't like to have a quarterback throw sixty. Usually, things go are are going wrong if your quarterback is throwing yeah. the football sixty times. So, I, I just think this is a spot where you can certainly bet the over attempts. It does again, though, feel like another bet that the book I want to say would be ready for, but a four and a half spread does not scream blowout. Yeah, it does not, and that's why I think they may, in fact, be the value in this one. We talk about the Eagles as a bounce-back team. There is another team that needs to bounce back from 0-2. They are in our poll as well, and it is the Minnesota Vikings, okay? The Vikings, some people thought, could be division championship contenders. They lose Green Bay in Week 1. They look bad against the Indianapolis Colts in Week 2. However, they are now home dogs, okay, Kev? They are getting a field goal at home against the Tennessee Titans. This is a team, Minnesota. They also have a bad turnover margin at minus three. Um, talk to me, though. Home dogs, I think this could be the regression spot if Kirk Cousins and this team can take care of the ball. You know, the, the Vikings also, against non-division opponents who come into Minnesota, have fared extremely well in recent history. I know the Titans are 2-0. I know the Vikings are 0-2. Do you think this continues to go in opposite directions, or is there some regression to the mean here, Kev? thing is, I don't know what the mean is, Dane. I just mm. don't. They lost Stefan Diggs. Thought that would matter. And Kirk Cousins is one of the weirdest quarterbacks. I don't know how I'm going to ever be able to ex- explain Kirk Cousins to people. This is a guy that constantly was getting monster contracts. Nobody was surprised by it. And then he has a game like he did last week where he, he had like what, seven completions and three interceptions. Nobody's surprised by that outcome. And here we are again. I don't know. Like their defense doesn't look. Dang, the total's 49 and a half. Yeah. 49 and a half. Like, if I would have told you before we played any games this year, hey, Dan, listen, I got some of these week three lines. Any spots jump out to you? And I would have shown you 49 and a half between Titans, Vikings, two teams that love running the football. I'm like, oh, slam that under. And to a degree, that's kind of what I'm thinking here. But the Vikings defense is terrible. It looks absolutely miserable right now. Like, they were lucky only to give up 28 to the Indianapolis Colts. Yep. So if I'm playing a side here, I got to take three points. I think I might take a swing on this under, though, Dane. Hope that Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry combine for 50 carries. Is that an outrageous number? It is not an outrageous number. And to your point, remember what Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts did on the ground last week against this Minnesota Vikings team, right? Now King Henry comes on in. 
Okay, so I believe they are going to try to punch the Minnesota Vikings in the mouth over and over again and see if that defense can hold up. That is also potentially a path to the under in this game, Kev. Another team that needs to kind of, or do you see anything else on this Titans side? Remember, because I've been talking a lot about, you know, the, the counterbalance right? The scales of the Henry side and the Tannehill side. To me, this opens up and profiles like a uh, Derrick Henry, 27 carries for 148 yards kind of game. I mean, look, he, he had 25 carries last week, right? But Tannehill threw four touchdowns and, and that's how the Jags end up giving up 30 plus. So if the Vikings want to do everything they can to mitigate Henry, that's great. We have enough of a sample size from Tannehill. Do we not? Like, he will beat you through the air. He just will. He's a good quarterback. Call it what it is. I know a lot of people are having struggles still probably getting around to this idea. He's a good quarterback. Last week, he didn't even have A.J. Brown. I know this Jag- that Jags defense is terrible, but, he- but he's efficient. What are you, 18 of 24 for 240 and four scores? It's a great game. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, and you mentioned A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's status still uncertain. If so, look for guys like Corey Davis in the passing game and the young tight end, Janu Smith, who has been good early in the season as part of this Titans pass game. You know, Kev, another team that kind of needs to, like, bounce back. Uh, they are 0-2. They didn't make the poll. And, you know, you would have thought they would have been 1-1 one one if you left their game last week with still like, oh, I don't know, five minutes left to play. And I'm talking about the Atlanta Falcons, right, because they gave up the, the scores they give up the onside kick and dallas comes all the way back kev earlier in the show you talked about the cowboys as that kind of comeback being a big momentum builder for the cowboys does the inverse happen for these atlanta falcons like does it really have a long-term effect for them they go back home they are three-point favorites uh 48 and a half is the total and the chicago bears come in it's the bears that are 2 and 0 the falcons that are 0 and 2 and i have the same kind of regression question because my knee jerk reaction on this one kev i see the total at 48 and a half i know the falcons are going to be able to hold up to their end of the bargain even against a good chicago bears defense i've seen mitchell trubisky i know he's 2 and 0 i know he's gotten a lot of hate will they be able to hold up to their end of the bargain and kind of like keep up with this falcons offense so you have to ask yourself if a team total against this falcons defense at 23 is an automatic over because that's where the Chicago Bears number sits. Or, and I think the direction that I'm leaning, we're about to see a terrible Mitch Trubisky game. Just has that vibe to it. He was not good last week. In fact, he's been good for two quarters of the eight that they've played. And it's been good enough to get that team to 2-0. and But I don't think this Bears team is that good. They are so far gone from the defense that was. And I think that the foul, I've been going back and forth here, Dane, but sometimes you got to just step up and you got to just, you know, pick a side here. Minus three, minus 125. I don't think the three is going to end up mattering here. I think the Bears are going to, are going to have a bad offensive game. This Falcons team has to play better on the defensive side of the ball. They are, they are not the least talented defense in the league in the way that they have put on film or at least the way that the final numbers have looked through two weeks, I think this defense has a much better game here. Julio's the big question. Does his Mm -hmm. absence 
allow Calvin Ridley now to continue being the number one wide receiver in football? Does it make life more difficult for Calvin Ridley and then therefore difficult for everybody involved? This might be a game where, you know, we're talking zigging and zagging here, playing under on a Falcons game. Mm. You want to talk about a hold your nose special, Dane? Yeah, right. Might be one of them, though. No, I hear you. And for me, it is that question. Can the Bears, you know, make it a shootout, right? We trust the Atlanta offense. I, I'm with you. I don't necessarily trust the Bears offense. And Kev, you mentioned Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley now is the first player, okay, since 1999, Kev, to lead his team, have over 100 yards receiving and two touchdowns in each of his first two games. The other guy who did it back in 1999, Kev, it's a Hall of Famer. The name is Marvin Harrison is the last player to do that. And I think that is really, really interesting. I am with you, Kev. I think the Atlanta Falcons, you know, they've been putting up points. Remember that week one against Seattle, week two against Dallas. And I just don't see the Bears as high octane enough in this one. We'll talk more games when we come back right here on the early line football Friday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh looking at these week three games. And, Kev, another one that I'm intrigued by is Washington going to Cleveland. Both of these teams stand at one and one. People may not have thought that was the case. Earlier in the week, Kev, we did a segment called Watch for the Hook. And this is a game where I would be watching for the hook. The Browns are at home. They are seven and a half point favorites in this one. Does the hook scare you with this? No, it terrifies me. And we got burned last week laying a six. Laying yeah. a six. And they, and they win the game by five. A game that they should have won by 14 points. Yeah, that's right. So, the back door. I'm not excited. I wouldn't be excited about laying seven and a hook. Do I think Cleveland's a better team here? I sure do. And, you know, people might not like this, but at the end of the day, teasers are as popular as ever. If you're playing a seven-point teaser... I think the Browns are going to be an enticing option. If you're someone who likes to put favorites together in money line parlays, I think Cleveland's going to be an enticing option. You know, what is this Washington team? Week one, everybody decided that they had the best front seven in football. Then Kyler I... Murray ran all over them at will. And yeah. now here they go and they play a Browns team that stays home with a little bit of extra sleep in them. Though, it's fair to... Ask ourselves, how much does that Thursday night rest matter when last week the Chiefs and the Texans, neither one of them covered the number? Now, I hear you. And remember that front seven we saw out of Washington in week one, we now know is against a compromised Eagles offensive line an Eagles offense that didn't have Miles Sanders. They looked very different against Arizona in week two. And now here in week three, they go to Cleveland. And by the way, Kev, like, 
Name me another better running back tandem in the NFL than Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They are the only tandem of running backs who both have two touchdowns already on the season. You know, like, I'll wait. And so I do believe that these running backs may be able to make hay against the front seven. We are going to continue to define what is real and what is, in fact, fake news in the football world. You think these Browns running backs are the real tandem and can get it done? I mean, look, they're hard. They're hard to ignore. They continuously perform. Uh, I'm very interested, though, to see what this game from Odell looks like here. Mm. Scored last week. Are we going to start to build some momentum on that front? All right. We will definitely keep our eyes to Odell. You know, he wants everybody with his with their eyes on him anyway. When we come back in hour number two, more games to discuss, including two which have unique medical issues around them. We'll talk about those when we come back next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 